Would you welcome Philip this morning as he comes out to share the word? Good morning, church. Can you hear me? All right. Awesome. What a privilege and honor to speak. I love this church. I can't say that enough. I really love this church. So how many were at City Fest yesterday? That's awesome. Wow, look at that. More than half the church. Um, I had a great time at City Fest. I was there for about 10 hours. I think I got sunburnt, rained on, screamed until I went hoarse, and uh, got to pray with people giving their lives to the Lord. So that was awesome. Um, Yeah, praise the Lord for what he did yesterday. Uh, I want to show a really quick clip just from my phone that I took during worship yesterday. Can we roll that? That was so much fun. All, God, all God's people singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. And we were singing it in the rain, too. <laughs> well, this morning, there's a word on my heart uh, from the Lord, and so let's just get right into Scripture. You can open to John 11. I'm going to read verses 38 through 45. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then, when he'd said this, he said, or he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus, you bring life to what is dead. You bring life to our souls, to our bodies, to our families and relationships. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here as always to bring life. Open our ears to hear you today. Amen. So we've been in a series called Living Out the Gospel. This morning, I want to talk about living out the gospel for each other. As the church, as the family of believers, we live out the gospel for one another. We've been in a great series. Um, I really appreciate everybody who's shared. Mindy talked about the kingdom of God, how the gospel is that Jesus the king came and he brought his kingdom with him. We experience it in part now, and one day we'll experience it in full. We talked about how the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of Jesus, and they're called the gospel according to those people. So in a big sense, the gospel is the story of Jesus. 
Last week, Kelly talked about the four-square gospel, that Jesus is our savior from sin, our healer from sickness and disease, our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and our soon-coming king. And those are all important parts of that story of the gospel. My title for the message, though, is Take Off the Grave Clothes. In the story of Lazarus, we see that Jesus raised him from the dead, which is what God does for us when we come to Christ. We come to life spiritually. There's a miracle that happens when we put our faith in Jesus and the life of Christ is released in us. But then there's a process of life change and of freedom and deliverance that happens coming forward from that point. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's look at this passage of scripture a little closer. Jesus comes to the tomb. His good friend, Lazarus, has been dead for four days. Have you ever smelled a body that had been dead for four days? Maybe a chicken or a dog? <laughs> Boy, I could tell a story about that, but I probably won't. <clears throat> um, actually, maybe I will. When I was a kid, <laughs> I was on a vacation with my friend's family to the coast, and they're really servant-hearted people. And some friends called them and asked them to come over and help them take care of a dead body. It was a dog that had been floating in their pool for way too long. And yeah, that was pretty gross. So no wonder Martha says, but Lord, we shouldn't move the stone. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus says, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus prays. And then he calls out to Lazarus like he calls out to each one of us to come out of darkness into light, to come out of death into life. Lazarus, come out. And what happens when Jesus calls to dead things? The dead man came out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So when I think about how dead we are before Christ. I love this passage from Ephesians it's chapter 2, 1 through 6 in the message. It says it this way. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. Did Lazarus try hard to raise himself from the dead? No. It was an act of God, and it's the same for us when God makes us alive in Christ. <clears throat> Pastor Scott said at one of our men's nights recently that when he got saved, his sinner got broken. <laughs> We're all pretty good at sinning, and then change comes with Christ. But is this where the story ends, when Lazarus walks out of the tomb? The writer of the gospel includes some more. Jesus says, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So my friend Chris McPherson is going to help me with a little illustration. Chris, come out. 
<laughs> I was going to wrap him up a lot more, but I didn't want him to trip. So let's take off these grave clothes. For me, the grave clothes in this story represent our old ways of life, our old ways of thinking and speaking and living, the things that trip us up from our past. Thanks, Chris. You're the best. <laughs> Give him a hand. For me, these grave clothes represent the things that we bring with us into Christianity that we need to be delivered from, that trip us up, that hold us back. And that can be a whole lot of things, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But to me, it's really significant that Jesus said to those around, take off the grave clothes. To me, that's a picture of how when we come to Christ, our life with Christ is more than just me and God. That there are things wrapped around me still that God's not just going to unwrap by himself. Instead, he speaks to the church, come around him and unwrap these things and set him free. We learn and practice new ways of living in community. And we will not grow into the people God designed us to be or the freedom that God intends for us without the community of the church. So today's Pentecost Sunday, isn't it? 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he poured out the Holy Spirit on his church and he empowered them for witness and for holy living. He also, though, by the Holy Spirit, knit them together into this incredible community, the first of its kind, where they loved each other the way God loves. Acts 2 describes that community a little bit. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I want to be a community that lives out the gospel for each other like the early church did. <clears throat> um, so, also being Memorial Day tomorrow, I've been thinking about those who have served. I was talking with Eric Levesque recently about his time in the military. He shared at a men's night recently. He said that in very rare cases, the military will send someone on a solo mission by themselves. Maybe if it's a covert secret operation or just a quick strike, but the commanders always prefer to send servicemen and servicewomen in pairs or in teams because it just works way better. Teams are way better than a single person most of the time. Would you want to go into battle alone? I don't think so. I wouldn't. And Christ doesn't send us into battle alone in this world either. There's an African proverb I love I've shared before. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I want to say a word to the men for a minute because we have a real tendency to want to do things on our own. I don't know about you, but I've been that young man who thinks I don't need anybody at all to help me. I can do anything. <laughs> um, and I can go fast while I'm at it. But what I've found is that when I go fast alone, I don't last. I don't endure. I can't make it through the long haul. There's nobody there when I need them. 
And our families, our friends, they need men who are going to go far, not just fast for a couple years. Amen? So let's go together. You might be thinking to yourself, like I've been thinking as I've been preparing this message, what are my grave clothes? What are those things that I've brought in from my past that trip me up, that tangle me up, that are still there? I asked our teaching team this, and here's a couple of the things they said. Scott talked about how before Christ, he had a habit of drunkenness. (laughs) It's hard to imagine Pastor Scott as a drunk frat boy. (laughs) But he said it was not just Christ that delivered him. He said when he came to Christ and came into the fellowship of the church, he realized that the joy of fellowship was even more fun than the joy of getting drunk. And so the church helped him take off that old way of life and live in the joy of fellowship. And we're all thankful. We're all thankful. Mindy talked about how she used to be timid about raising and using her voice for the Lord. And community came around her and encouraged her, helped her find her unique voice and learn to raise her voice and speak for the Lord, which she does quite well, doesn't she? Cody talked about how he used to depend on himself a lot and do things alone. And community came around and helped him learn that he could depend on others and ask for help and go forward in community. There's a lot of things that the Lord wants to bring change to in our lives. Colossians 3 is a passage where Paul talks a lot about this, what we take off from the old life and what we put on in the new life. So I'm going to read a few excerpts from this chapter. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off. Listen to the clothing language. You've stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. There's a lot I could say there, but I'm going to let Scripture speak for itself. Um, Community has helped me unwrap a lot of things from my past as well and move forward in life, and I want to share just a couple quick examples. One is just recently, earlier this year, um, I was playing some video games and got into a habit of playing too many video games. And I didn't really know what was going on. That's not really normal for me. I'm not a huge gamer, but it was really getting a little bit out of control and interfering with my normal life. Has anybody ever had an innocent pleasure that got to that level? (laughs) Most of us have. And so I was actually kind of wrestling with keeping it in a healthy place. And so I started talking 
to friends and family about it, just letting them know what was going on, trying to talk, talk through this. <clears throat> and that was really helpful. One friend reminded me of a tool we've been taught, which is to ask the Lord if I was believing a lie. Uh, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So I listened to this message. The Lord spoke to me through this message saying, you're not entitled to this pleasure. And so I stopped playing video games, and what I started to feel was some surprising emotions that I had been stuffing down with video games. I was feeling angry. I was feeling kind of sad, and I was like, what is going on here, Lord? This is not good. Um, and so I was talking with friends about these emotions, trying to figure out what was going on. And I really learned some good things about myself and worked through some good things. One of the things, though, when I asked the Lord, am I believing a lie? The Lord brought to mind this person that hurt me a while ago, that I was a bit angry at still. And I had this thought, they hurt me on purpose. And so I, I was like, well, did they? No, they did not hurt me on purpose. And so in that moment, I exchanged that lie for the truth, that they didn't intend to harm me. It just happened. And then it was easy to forgive them. And that anger just diminished, just like that. And surprisingly, when I've dealt with those emotions, it's like not that hard to spend time on healthy activities instead of playing video games, running from those, those feelings. So that's just an example from my own life of how this hurt, this lie, this habit was binding me up. It was holding me back from what God had called me toward. I hope some people can identify with that. Another example is years ago, I was pretty addicted to looking at pornography, and I wasn't telling anybody about it. And when I started to invite people in to help me grow and deal with it is when I got free. And I'm so thankful to say today that although I'm still vulnerable to those temptations, I'm not a prisoner anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know what it's like to be wrapped up in grave clothes, something you're ashamed of, to put your regular clothes on over it so nobody can tell and come to church and smile. <laughs> and I just want you to know today that if there's anything that you feel bound by or trapped by or ashamed of, that Jesus can set you free. But you might need the church to help. Some freedom comes in a moment, like that anger that left. Some things are a process, like freedom from looking at pornography. But we're here for it. We're the community of the church to walk with each other. <clears throat> so maybe a couple practical things. Who do I want to help me take off my grave clothes? Probably not just anybody. <laughs> Uh, I was in an accountability group with a few men in Portland one time during college. I shared something with them that I was trying to work to overcome. He was so shocked. He was judgmental. He was like, just not helpful. Let me just say that. Uh, and, you know, I guess I learned that day he wasn't a partner that I wanted to help me move forward. Um, and so probably a lot of us have had those experiences where we were looking for help and somebody didn't respond with help 
or with patience, with compassion. Uh, what my experience is, is that people who are the best helpers in these things are gospel people, people who have received the gospel deeply personally and been changed by the gospel. Um, I met some parents last summer who said it was their goal not to raise good kids, but to raise gospel kids. And I love that, that they didn't just want kids who knew how to live in a good way, but they wanted kids who had taken the gospel in deeply, been forgiven deeply, been changed deeply, and would live that way for others. Um, When I think of gospel people, I think of a few qualities. Number one, these are people of faith who are confident in God and his word. So if I share that I'm working to overcome a sin, for example, they're not going to say, oh, it's okay, you don't have to change. Because they believe in God's call on my life, and they trust the word of God to reveal God's will. And they're going to help me move towards that. These are people of hope who believe that all things are possible with God. Especially if you're working to overcome something that's kind of addictive, the last thing you need is somebody who loses hope that you'll ever change. Amen? Oh, I don't think you're ever going to overcome that. You're going to struggle with that forever. That is not the friend I need in that battle. This is what Philippians 1.6 says. I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And that's our attitude. Let's have that attitude for each other. Convinced that God who began a work in you will finish it. That we can be free from the things that bind us. Gospel people are also people of unconditional love. Love that's unearned, undeserved. It's abundant. It's patient. It doesn't condemn and it doesn't shame us. That's the love God has for us and that's the way that we love each other. In, a, in an environment without shame we can actually grow and become free. In an environment where we're not condemned, not shamed, not put down, we actually have room to move around and get free and move forward. Jesus, uh, I'm going to repeat, like paraphrase a warning from Jesus. Watch out for hypocrites. They will tell you what to do, but never help you. Matthew 23, 4 says, Jesus is talking about these people, the Pharisees mostly. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. We need people in our lives who will get in the mess with us and help us move forward, not just tell us what to do and how to live and how to be better. Amen? So in, Jesus, in this story, Jesus is calling the people around to help Lazarus take off his grave clothes. I feel the Lord is calling us to come around each other and help take off the grave clothes. So if I'm going to help somebody take off their grave clothes, how should I do that? I want to tell a couple stories of recent examples where I've gotten to be a part of that and make a few points. Um, number one, ask if they want your help. which should be obvious, but let's not be that person that rushes into someone else's business saying, I can help you. (laughs) Please. If they want your help, great. 
Otherwise, just pray. Um, I would ask this, like, do you want to get rid of that? Do you want to be free? Um, Another point would be to speak the truth in love or to remind each other of the gospel. Um, not, some time ago, a young man who doesn't attend this church came to me saying that he was really wrestling with looking at pornography, a believer, and he didn't want to, but he was really wrestling with it, and he was just asking for help. His first question was, have you ever struggled with this? Tell me your story. <laughs> so I did. I told him about my wrestles with it, my process, what the Lord taught me along the way, the freedom that he brought. But these are some of the things that... Um, I felt the Lord lead me to share with him. Number one, speaking the truth in love, reminding each other of the gospel. The gospel reminds us that sin kills. The wages of sin is death. And so I reminded him, if you continue down this road, sin will destroy you. Sometimes we need that reminder. It has to be taken seriously. But along with that truth, the gospel tells us that God loves us unconditionally and deeply, loves us passionately, loves us so much. He came in Jesus to die so we could be free and forgiven. Christ's blood bought our forgiveness, and we're a full full gospel church, a four-square church. It bought our forgiveness and our healing and our deliverance. Amen? So I reminded him of that, and I used some scriptures like... Um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus told his disciples they should forgive not just seven times, but seven times, 70 times. If you like math, that's 490. I think that was just a figure of speech for never stop forgiving. If he told his disciples to forgive like that, don't you think God does? God is incredibly forgiving. And that's a free gift. It's not something we earn. And then I prayed with this young man. I prayed for him. Prayer is powerful. Prayer delivers from darkness and bondage and sin. God does. But he responds when we pray. I really love this quote from Tim Keller. Um, my, one of my life group leaders, Kimberly Conant, shared this in, a, in our group chat recently because we've shared so much so honestly in our group and walked with each other through some things. This is what Tim Keller says. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Who wants to be fully known and truly loved? Amen? I sure do. I sure do. And that's what the church is for. Another friend a year or two ago Grave clothes are not always sin. I want you to hear that. There's a lot of other things that come into our lives as well, or we bring into Christianity that we need to be free from. This friend had lost a family member in a very traumatic way years before, and he was constantly having nightmares ever since that experience. 
Um, and when he shared this with me about his constant nightmares from this traumatic experience, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying in my heart, no more. This doesn't have to go on. This doesn't have to continue. So I said, let's pray. I reminded him of the gospel, that Jesus' blood paid for forgiveness and deliverance and healing. And then we prayed. I just simply asked God to heal his mind, to heal that trauma, and set him free. Last I talked to him, it had been over a year without a single nightmare. Isn't that good? Isn't God good? Let's give him some praise. Let's be people who live out the gospel for each other and are always ready to help take off the grave clothes. That does require relationship, though. That does require relationship. It takes a little bit of risk, a little bit of investment, maybe a little bit of time. If you're new to this church or if you're new to Christ, we just want you to know that we welcome you. We want you to be a part of our family, our journey. We will not condemn you. We will not judge you. We'll love you in your journey forward, in your getting free. And there's some really great, simple ways that you could get involved in this community if you're new or you're not involved yet. Number one is life groups. I am all about life groups. I lead a life group. I go to another life group. I get to oversee that ministry. And um, life groups are just a place where we walk with Christ in community. Sunday morning is just plain not enough time to get to know people, to get to share from your life and encourage and pray for one another. Scripture is full of commands about encouraging one another, forgiving one another, praying for one another, building one another up, serving one another, and that's got to happen in relationships. So you can always come to one of the leaders or to the Welcome Center to learn about life groups that you could join. Um, Like Mindy said, I'm going to be facilitating a What's Next class starting on June 8th. That's just going to be four weeks long. It would be a great class for anybody who's new to this church or new to Christ to learn about the Lord and about belonging in family and becoming a disciple. So I really want to invite you, and I'm talking to you men too, come and get involved. Build some relationship. Get rid of those things that hold you back. Move forward. We're with you. And every week, we have prayer partners here who are trained and trustworthy to pray with you for freedom. And you'll have a chance to come forward for prayer in a minute. Worship team, I'd like to invite you to come back up. And prayer partners, you can also come ahead down to the front, and we'll wrap up in just a couple minutes here. So I want to ask you this morning, is there anything still tripping you up from your past? Is there anything you want to be free from? A dead way of thinking, talking, or living? Is God convicting you of a change you need to make? You can be free. You can be free. You can be free. Amen? You can be free. The questions are, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? And are you willing to let somebody come around and take off your grave clothes? I begged God for a long time to set me free of a couple things, and he wouldn't do it until I let the church. 
come around and set me free. don't leave wearing those grave clothes. Please don't leave. Please give God a chance to set you free today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward for prayer. <clears throat> prayer partners, you can come down, spread out. If you don't come forward for prayer, I'm going to ask you to turn to the people next to you and find a group of two or three and share whatever you're comfortable sharing and pray for each other. Maybe you don't know the people next to you, so don't share everything. <laughs> but share what you're comfortable sharing and pray for each other. If you really want to pray with somebody who's trustworthy, who's trained, Please come down to the front and play, pray with our prayer partners. They're awesome. Just like at Pentecost, the spirit of the living God is here to set you free and to knit you into loving community. Do you want to be free? Are you willing to let someone help you take off the grave clothes? So let's all stand. If you want to come down for prayer, come on down right now. Come on down for prayer. Don't leave wearing that stuff that you can be free from. Come on down for prayer right now. I'm going to pray, and then we'll turn to each other, find a little group for prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you're a God of freedom, a God of forgiveness, of unending compassion and mercy. Thank you for how you showed that in Jesus. And thank you for the freedom that you've brought to me and so many people that I know. Holy Spirit, come and move among us. All right, come down for prayer if you want to. Otherwise, find a group of two or three and share and pray for one another. Go ahead. Worship team is just going to play. Find a little group. Pray for each other.